Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cold Popcha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash everybody and welcome along to the cult popsha podcast in what is a first for me but not a first for the show uh you've only got one bloody host this episode richard of course could not be with us today for he is i believe currently in portland oregon uh not not auckland new zealand where he usually remains um and if you'll remember, everybody, uh, a few weeks back, I was very sick, and so Richard did his own episode, his own solo episode, where everyone asked him advice, and he shared his thoughts on various people's problems, and gave insight into various parts of his life, and the episode was this wholesome little thing that I thought, I'm jealous that I couldn't have this for myself but luckily richard's gone to america so you're tuning in everybody for ask aj or aj's advice corner um yeah this is this is the episode where i give advice where i answer your questions alone i don't have any mead i don't have any refreshments actually i haven't even had a shower today i'm very busy not as busy as Richard, I guess, but it's it's currently midday on a Sunday. This will probably be dropping just after I record it, um, and so I don't have any fun refreshments. Richard, Richard, it's it's a good, it's a good insight into the difference between Richard and AJ because Richard will get himself some drinks. He'll make it a make a night out of it. It'll be like this real chilled out thing that he enjoys spending time like answering questions and relaxing whereas i i feel like i'm a lot more of a frantic person than richard i think he's probably busier than me (laughs) on average and yet i'm somehow the more erratic and disheveled uh character on the show i don't know if you'll like me saying that i think he likes to be the 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 fool he likes to be the wacky guy and i'm the, i'm supposedly the, the the straight man and i think we've both sort of taken on that role at different different times and i don't know i don't know anyway i'm aj and welcome 
to AJ's Advice Corner. We put out the message that we wanted you guys to ask us, well, ask me questions. We put it out on Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. As usual, Discord is a plethora of uh, questions, whereas we only got a couple on the dying platforms that are Facebook and Instagram. So we'll start with um, with Facebook here, where the first question that was asked to, of me uh, was by uh, Ben Close, who asks, what do you find what what do you do to find yourself a good work slash life balance, especially when in a creative field? What a what a deep question. Um, I would say that my I don't think I have a good work life balance, um, and by that I mean. I have a lot more life than work. <laughs> I think I I have worked various um, jobs over the past uh, five or six years. Like I've had different, I've been employed by different different companies and stuff. But a lot of the my my adult life, a lot of my career has been spent uh, freelancing, um, and that is definitely where I feel the i my my brain is the most comfortable if that makes sense um and i recently i used to be very pretty recently a couple of years ago i did a year where i uh, was a film tutor at a college and that was cool and i saved up a bunch of money from that and basically spent all of last year not doing a lot and just coasting off the money that i'd saved and now in 2022 i am running out of money um and so i don't know if i'm the best person to give a best good work-life balance advice and that might be a theme going (laughs) going through this episode is i don't know how qualified i am to give advice but what i will say is this is that i don't like working and i think that I think, and when I say working, I mean doing jobs for, you know, I like working on the podcast and I like working on my own projects, but I don't like doing a job that I'm not passionate about. And I would say this, the one thing I am I am quite um, an ambassador for is like, I don't believe that, that humans should necessarily define themselves by what they do for work. Like, you know, people be like, oh, what do you do? And be like, I'm an electrician or I'm a, I'm a checkout chick. It's like, if you're not passionate, I mean, you're probably more passionate about being an electrician than a, than a checkout chick. But I just think that like, we tie our identity to how we make money too much. And I think I disagree with that. And a lot of, a lot of this adventure I've gone on to, to quit work and to, um, to focus more on enjoying my life um which is various degrees of successful um i think that's that's a much more fulfilling way to live i think humans have made a mistake by making a five-day work week the norm i think that the world is lost to capitalistic greed i think that we 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 spend so much of our lives working and we give so much of our money that we make from work to like paying for rent and i just think it's such a broken world that has affected every person unless except for i guess the the uber rich and like you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to do anything to just live you know i don't know 
Is this an answer to the question, what do you do to find yourself a good work balance, especially in a creative field? Um, set boundaries, know when you are being taken advantage of, know when you are working more than you should be considering what you're being paid. Um, but on the flip side of that, if you're working on your own projects um, and you're passionate about it, I would say put as much work into it as you can, like dedicate time to it and 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 if you can make something better, make it better. Don't just be like, oh, that's good enough. Um, that's something that I've I've re-exported several video projects in my life because I noticed a tiny mistake. And I would recommend doing that um, in whatever your projects are as well. I hope that answered the question, Ben. Over on Instagram, we've got a couple of questions. Um, first one from Brent, 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 uh, who asks... What would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a four barrel carburetor? What would the correct ignition timing be? I'm going to say eight seconds. Brent, 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 Brent. I reckon eight seconds is the correct ignition timing on a 1955 Bel Chevrolet with a th oh, 325, 327 cubic inch engine and a four barrel carburetor. Maybe seven seconds then. That's my advice for you, uh, Brent, 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 Brent. I'm um, in Martinfield 74, who I know for a fact is Richard's father, has asked... Do you ever feel intimidated by Richard's pro prodigious knowledge, ferocious intelligence, and rugged good looks, all inherited from the paternal side? Now, Wayne, Richard's not here to to back up your, your little humble brag there. No one's stopping me here from insulting you and yours. I don't think you thought about this. I don't think... Um, you thought about the fact that I could just say, no, I don't feel intimidated by by any of this. I think that um, the, the yin and yang of Richard and I's dynamic is I think I'm probably um, a little more creatively uh, in tune, or at least I think like I can, I can uh, maneuver and rework ideas into something um maybe slightly more proficiently than him but he has got an infinitely more reliable memory and knowledge base and so when we do things like continue the franchise i think it works really well because he'll say something that's based in uh like his knowledge of something and i can often add a creative twist to it and and on the flip side, I might come up with something that's less creative and he'll bring up something he knows about that franchise or is memorized and it can turn it into something a little more interesting. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. I don't think either is better. I think they both make a good podcast um, and I hope that people agree with that as well. Um, so that's his prodigious knowledge, his ferocious intelligence. <coughs> <coughs> Yep, and rugged good looks. Well, you know, people often say we look alike, so intimidated, maybe not, but agree that he's rugged, good looking? Yeah. Alrighty, on the Discord, Josh from Western Chicago Suburbs has asked, how many pants are the right amount to own? I think 
This is a reference to Richard's advice episode where he talked about only having like one pair of jeans. I have two pairs of jeans and I have a pair of like sort of like very loose uh, thin fabric sort of hippie pants and I also have several pairs of fat pants like sweatpants. Um, I don't think I have enough pants. I probably have less pants than any other item of clothing that I own. And I'm constantly having to re-wear pants that I've worn already. And I know, I know everyone's probably like, oh, but you can re-wear jeans. And yeah, you can. But I think even there's even a limit to that. Um, and when you're the type to get food on your hands and just wipe it on your pants, I think it doesn't, um, I don't, I don't know. How many pants is the right amount to own? I think you want two pairs of jeans, but you want up to five pairs of pants that are not necessarily jeans, but ones you could wear out, like wear to, to work or to a party. Um, and then when it comes to sweatpants, I don't think they count because they're more like pajama or staying home pants. I also have a few pairs of shorts, but a lot of them are falling apart. But I like to wear shorts. I like to show off the, the, the legs, you know. Meme Farmer Hamish asks, how many pants are the wrong amount to own? I would say zero. You should not own zero to one pants. You should own more than zero to one pants. Um, and Pulp Cockshaw says, how many pants in the world? Um... A thousand million? Josh from Western Chicago Suburbs asks, what has been the hardest $1 genre film to make so far? And this is a great opportunity to plug my other project, which if you didn't know, this year I have been making one short film a month. And the way I do it is I have a Patreon for, for the, the project's called $1 Genre. And every month patrons uh, suggest, sort of like how we do with our franchises, they'll suggest and vote on which genre the next short film should be. Um, so, so far... At this moment of time, I've done a heist movie, I've done a um, cosmic horror, I've done a fast food training video, I've done a dark fantasy, I've done a found footage, I've done a tween sitcom, I've done a Scandinavian murder mystery, and I'm just finishing up the touches on a stoner comedy for this month. Uh, and yeah so it's a, it's a lot of fun and you should get involved there will be a, there's been a link in the show notes for the whole podcast this year so check that out um one dollar genre if you want to get involved in terms of which has been the hardest one to make so far um i mean they've all been really challenging in different ways i would say the the one that took the least um is sort of the one that sort of took the least amount of time to do would be the Morrigan challenge, which was the found footage one. But at the same time, I also flew to 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 the UK to uh, film that one, so that wasn't exactly uh, without challenge. But I was going to the UK regardless, and the hardest part of that is a is a VFX shot that's at the end which I actually didn't do I got, I got my friends to make it for me so that one wasn't too hard but you've asked what's the what's the hardest one to make so far um in terms of editing the hardest one to do was well the hardest ones to do were either 
uh not mine which is the cosmic horror or get back to work which was the um the fast food training video both because they had a lot of uh, visual effects uh not mine had a lot of green screen work that was hard to get perfect um and uh uh get back to work had a lot of like old-timey VHS-looking footage, like, filters over it. Um, and it was a very slow premiere project. It took me a long time to edit because all of that stuff just sort of caked up the 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 processes on my computer. Um, so those were the hardest ones to edit, um, but also probably the most rewarding to edit. I think the hardest ones to film would either be Double Entendre or uh, Six Winters Since She Died, which are the twin sitcom and the Scandinavian murder mystery, um, both because... So Double Entendre is the, the longest it's taken to film one. Well, actually, sort of. The, long, the, the most amount of days. It took three days to film... Um, everything we need or three nights we we took to film everything we needed for um double entendre and that's about the limit i think people are willing to work on a free project is three days in a row or three nights in a row um and you know that involved getting a cool location we got a a boutique video game store secondhand video game store to film in um which is really cool but again it's kind of hard work to do um and so that was that was a bit much. And the six winters since she died, we filmed over two Saturdays, um, and it was originally going to be the first Saturday and Sunday, but the night of the Saturday, one of the actors um, finally tested positive for COVID after thinking he'd had it but hadn't tested positive, and then thought he got over it, but then didn't. Then, then apparently tested positive, so we had to film. Um, that over two weekends and it was actually a bit late we didn't make the end of the month and that's an example where where that was really just like i think if, if i'm if i'm to examine my work ethic and this might be related to the question about work-life balance like i don't like to work too hard on something for too long i need i need breaks i need to i like i'll often just take a day off if i've got a project i'm editing or something like that, just because I like the freedom to be able to do nothing for the day. Um, and, you know, whether or not I balance that perfectly with how how much money I need to make that in that given time, that's up for debate. But um, the idea of spreading it over two weekends made me nervous because I was really happy with what we'd filmed in that first Saturday, and I was worried about not being able to recreate that on the way on the in the second saturday but we did i think that's probably one of the better one dollar genre films um the easiest ones to make yeah would be the morrigan challenge and romantic getaway the first one um certainly the least admin that was like a really scrappy shoot especially like with the gear we had and we've really upped the gear since then um not mine was really easy too because there was no audio we needed to record so that was really good because it was a silent film um am i missing any to talk about oh oh eat the witch that was our dark fantasy that was pretty hard going we filmed all of that in one night and uh probably shouldn't have we probably should have split that over two nights because we went way over time and everyone was really tired but not long after filming it um we uh got the 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 basement that we filmed it in got flooded so thank god we got it in on time but maybe maybe eat the witch was the hardest one to film because that one took the longest time for me to come up with an idea for i couldn't think of a dark fantasy for ages and i got stuck on this one idea which would have been way too hard to make um so maybe that's a better answer to to the question 
because I I really struggled with writing that one. And then when I did write it, it was all dialogue. And I was really worried that my actors wouldn't be able to memorize their lines. But they did. They could because they're incredible actors. Shout out to uh, Jeff Clark and Bree McZant because those were some hard lines to nail down and they got it right. And I also had a bunch of internet friends collaborate on that one and send in photos to be various witches. This will make a lot less sense if you haven't seen all the films. So so I'd recommend checking them out if you haven't seen them yet. um, yeah, one dollar genre. It's been a fun time. I whenever, whenever I get there, there's always a cycle where at one some point during the month, I'll have this deep regret for ever starting the project. It'll be before I've written the script. Um, it'll be after I've maybe come up with the idea or while I'm coming up with the idea, but before I've written it, certainly before we've filmed it, where I'll just be like, oh, why did we do this? Why did I decide to do a short film a month? And I'll regret it. And then somewhere between filming it and editing it, I'll be like, oh, this is so fun. I'm so glad I'm doing this. Um, and that that is every month that happens. So it's been an interesting time. Um, yeah. Uh, Artuno on Discord says, can things be bad on purpose for the sake of entertainment or art? Movies, games, etc, etc. I'm asking this question because I've thought about it a lot recently, and I'll provide some context as to what I mean. But I'll use a spoiler tag to keep this from being a massive blog of text that people don't want to read. Spoilers for the game Drakengard 3. Okay, well everyone, spoilers for the game Drakengard 3. They go on, so I recently went through a period where I binged a lot of games that were directed by a man named Yoko Taro, this being the Drakengard and Nier series. They're fantasy series with really dark themes and they delve in, they delve a lot into the meta aspects of games themselves. Playing through Drakengard 3, the game was amazing, the story was amazing, the characters, the music, all wonderful, but the gameplay is completely awful, unresponsive and broken. <coughs> Excuse me. People joked that it was because Yoko Taro doesn't actually know how to implement good game design, but the characters in the game even remark on how stupid jumping puzzles and many trash enemies you have to kill, and the main character Zero even constantly insults her party members for how useless they are in combat and don't contribute much of anything. This got me thinking that maybe the game was designed bad on purpose, since the developers were clearly aware of how awful the experience was. It's theorize that it's this way so the player becomes frustrated and angry and becomes more emotionally attached to the game during the infuriating moments in the game for example the last final boss of the of fight of the game which up until this point was a hack and slash combat game becomes a rhythm game of all things and it's clearly impossible it's not just games but movies too and there's a whole genre of so bad it's good in art there's tons of examples of parody work like damien hurst who has an art piece that's literally just a dead shark floating in water or Mr. Mr. Brainwash, who's an imitator of Banksy, though done unironically. It's a very interesting question, Artuna. So can things be bad on purpose for the sake of entertainment or art? I would say that yes, to an extent. I think the the thing that I saw that that made that first made me consider this question was when I saw the movie Ted in cinemas and it ends with a Taylor Lautner joke and like I'm in the cinema watching this like million dollar movie and the last frame of it is like a JPEG of Taylor Lautner. And I remember thinking to myself, like, is it funny because of how bad it is? Like how how tacky this 
this supposedly professional project is and i think there is some credence to that but at the same time i don't think you can ride the coattails of that forever and if you constantly subvert your own art by saying like yeah and it's real tacky and bad i think eventually people are just going to resent you for that i think maybe an example of that could be taika waititi with the new thor movie that it it kind of like leans into both the the trend in, in marvel movies and the trend in taika waititi's sort of sense of humor of being like intentionally obtuse and intentionally sarcastic with a property that people care quite deeply about and i think love and thunder was an example of that backfiring on an artist where everyone's just kind of sick of it so i think you can only do that kind of subversion for so long before it's like well if you know dragon guard 3 is shit uh yoko taro then why should i not think it's shit like what am i what it just it feels like there's a lack of of respect for the the person being entertained or the person engaging with the art in that sense um and so i think that that something impressive is almost always going to be better than something that's a cop-out even if it's a really funny cop-out that's my advice so if you've got two choices something that's harder to do if you're making art and you've either got you're you're trying to end it or whatever you're trying to end your story i think that if you come up with an idea that's going to be harder to do um and you come up with another idea that's a cop-out but it's funny the harder to do option is 99 percent of the time i think probably the better option i think it's always going to be more impressive hmm uh, meme farmer hamish says can i be in the next one dollar genre film alternatively can bathman get a spin-off uh, meme farmer hamish one of my mates who actually was bathman himself in a double entendre i don't think bathman will get a spin-off but uh who knows what the next one dollar genre film is hamish maybe you can be the uh maybe you can act in it for me uh also brent from texas asks where is the happiest place you've ever been do you mean like emotionally or or like like have i ever been to like disney world i've been to movie world on the gold coast but that was that was more um scary that was scary going to movie world because i'd never been on a roller coaster before and i didn't like them they made my tummy flip and i don't like that feeling um where's the happiest place i've ever been i'm gonna say um yeah probably going on holidays with friends has been fun i don't know if there's anyone specifically um or just relaxing with people being there's a there's a water hole that some of my friends used to go out to um haven't been there for a while but that was always really fun um and yeah i just like being relaxed with with friends and no cares i think i think i think maybe something that adult life is missing are the school holidays you know because when you don't have a job and you're just a teenager and school ends for the year and you can just go stay the night at your friend's house with sleep in his garage and just play video games and go like play make jokes and watch movies the whole night i reckon that was a pretty happy place to be but it, it also wouldn't feel right to return to that area 
like now. I don't think, I think as you grow older, certain comforts become, um, they're, they're fun to look back on, but I don't think they would make you happy if you did it now. And so I would say, um, yeah, I don't think that going to, um, I don't think doing a sleepover at my friend's house would make me feel as chill as the ones I did in high school would now. Happiest place I've ever been would be um, maybe when I went to the UK, that was pretty great. Or when um, I've been to Australia a couple of times, that was pretty great. And even going to Auckland a few times since I moved back to Christchurch has been a fun time. Yeah. Uh, Josh from Western Chicago Suburb says, how should I feel or what should I do after recommending a movie to someone and they don't like it? And then he said, uh, asking for a friend. Josh uh, got me to watch a movie called, um, oh, what was it called? Rock, the Qu- Voyage of the Rock Aliens or something recently. And I really didn't like it. Um, so Josh is asking, how should he feel? I mean, I like, I have a pretty low tolerance for like good bad films and i think that's potentially why i didn't like it so i wouldn't take it personally josh i think it's more a me problem than a you problem (laughs) i wish i could enjoy stuff like that but i think this podcast has ruined good bad art for me because i've had to watch so many earbud movies Admiral Whiskers says, so should I just accept that I like dumb action movies like Con Air, Die Hard, and Deep Rising, or should I try refine my movie taste? So what artsy movie would you set in front of an art movie novice? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with liking uh, action movies, and I think there are some fantastic action movies. I just think that certain directors, I would say Michael Bay is guilty of this, have like dumbed down the genre and had they've made it so that it stopped reaching for narrative heights that it used to like die. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hard, I think, is a pretty great movie despite being what many would call like a dumb action movie you ask what artsy movies would i sit in front of you i don't know if artsy is the right word but um you could check out if you haven't seen john wick i feel like that's a good intersection of like action movie and uh like careful filmmaking um and while it is a little dated now and and i i'm cautious to recommend this movie um crank the jason statham movie crank i watched a lot as a teenager and something i always really liked about it was that it was like a non-stop action movie but it was also like a really artistically interesting movie and it, it and its sequel both had really fascinating um artistic decisions in it and so i think action as a genre is is one for me now that like I'm not that interested in seeing just an action movie, but if I hear it's actually pretty good or it's got a lot of stuff going for it, I immediately become more interested. The Mission Impossible movies are a great example of this as well. Um, So yeah, 
I don't think it's bad that you like those movies, but I think you shouldn't let the genre stoop into mediocrity, like with the Transformers movies or something like that. You shouldn't stand for that. You deserve better than that, Admiral Whiskers. You deserve more Conniers and more Diehards. Bliss My Puppy asks, whatever happened to predictability, the milkman, the paper boy, the evening TV? How did I get delivered here? Somebody tell me, please. These are obviously the lyrics to uh, the Full House theme tune, I think. Um, and I never realized it said, how did I get delivered here? Which is actually a pretty like smart line, considering you're talking about Milkmen and Paperboys. Um, but whatever happened to them, whatever happened to predictability, I think the internet, I think um, the digital age stopped this, these things from being being these quaint little like a guy comes to your house and delivers something now it's either done on like mail is done online milk i don't think people get milk anymore do they the evening tv i mean the streaming age dog you, you we're gone it's it's all gone tv's gone and i agree there is a there is a i do have a nostalgia for tv i was house sitting a few years ago for my parents and I was alone by myself in the middle of the night. And I was just really sad and really like depressed because I was bored and alone. And then I just chucked on TV. And all of a sudden, I didn't feel so alone. Um, I felt way better. And so I think we have a appointment viewing, or rather um, the opposite, actually. Like streaming, watch what you want, when you want. I think it's taken away less of predictability, but an unpredictability to suburban middle-class life that... I can understand if people miss that. I can understand if people are like, wow, I would rather, I wish, I miss, I miss like not being able to choose what I was watching because it was just on. I do miss that. And I do sometimes wish that they would come back. Greg from the Kingdom of Sleep asks, how do I stop feeling outsized anxiety about cooking and just settle into liking it? For outsized anxiety about cooking i don't know if i feel anxiety about cooking but i certainly don't like doing it um i i try i've been getting hello fresh a lot this year not a sponsor but i have been getting them and i would say like they it does make cooking somewhat easier though i think for all the hype around how they make cooking easy i think they could make it easier things like um they could pre-chop their their meat up I think, for example, which they expect you to do, which is like one of the worst jobs of cooking, I think, is like chopping up slimy chicken. Um, but I think that um, it's not... HelloFresh isn't perfect, and I think one thing that you can do is find what meals you really like and get really good at them. I'm, I really like uh, enchiladas and fajitas, and so I've made them like the thing I make. And hot dogs as well. Um, I make hot dogs a lot and these are things that I think taste really good and I've developed uh, my own ways of cooking them and I think that helps because instead of following a recipe it's like you're not gonna get anything wrong because it's your version of that recipe so I would say um, come up with the version of whatever you like to cook as your own thing and then just you know go from there but make that make that how, how you enjoy cooking is by cooking what you like how you like in a way that isn't scary or threatening to you i do definitely relate to having anxiety about doing things maybe not cooking but um 
One thing I'm, I'm, I'm actually really anxious about is, um, and is very inconvenient for my line of work, is actually uh, handling camera gear. I'm not really, like, in, I, in the areas of filmmaking I'm proficient at, camera and setting up shots and, and gear is not something I'm very comfortable doing. Um, and so these days I just get someone else to do it for me and I direct. But it does make it harder to get work because I don't want to go on a film set as, like, a grip because I don't think I would have the confidence to know what I'm doing. Um, but the way I kind of overcame that, or at least partially overcame it, or or I know I could overcome it as if I got my own gear. And so I'm not upsetting anyone. If it breaks, it's just my own folly. Um, and cause I'm pretty good at using my own camera now. Um, and I think that's a big thing is just like having, ownership over the thing you're anxious about so that you have time to, to do it by yourself you're not upsetting anyone else by getting it wrong um yeah uh volashark asks how can i provide better answers i mean i think they are asking this um in terms of like uh, uh, questions for advice maybe you're wanting wanting me to give them better answers i mean it's hard i would say like if you've ever wanted to ask someone like a content creator or someone who you've always wanted to ask a question to i would always like look at something that you share personally with the person you're asking and ask that so that there is also some kind of ownership you're taking in the question you're asking um yeah like so maybe like i like um I don't know, I like coming-of-age movies. So, Volashark, if you also like coming-of-age movies, maybe you could ask, what do you think works in a coming-of-age movie? You know, so that way we're sharing something together in the question and it's not just you got to ask a question. Like, if you've ever gone to, like, meet-and-greets and stuff um, for like at, like, expos or, or Comic-Con or whatever, it's always a lot more uh fulfilling to ask a celebrity not that i'm a celebrity but it's always a lot more fulfilling to ask a celebrity a question that you're interested in not just a question you want to be able to say i asked a question that i wanted to know the answer to and not i got to ask a question to this person that i look up to um yeah uh luke asks how do you define success this is a hard question for me um I think I'm quite hard on myself in terms of success. I think I wish I was a lot more successful, but I would define success um, quite outwardly. I would say for, for me to feel successful, something I've done has to have uh, impacted some other people. And maybe that's not a very healthy way to define success, but I know I don't, I, I rarely feel satisfied if I've made something for me. It needs to be for other people. Mike Noise asks, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? I don't remember the last time I even danced, dude. I'm not a big dancer. I feel like everyone's looking at me. I don't know how to dance. Um, but I would like to dance. Maybe with the devil. Maybe in the pale moonlight. Uh, Zek asks, what was it like to poop your pants at a party and you have to leave? And then they've crossed that out, rightfully so. Um, because it is not a real thing that happened that did not happen to me. Um, Zeke asks, also asks, what is the most interesting place you've been to? 
similar to the happiest place I've been to. I think the most interesting place I've been to is the Blue Mountains in Australia, like just outside of Sydney. Um, I've been, so I've been to Brisbane, Sydney, um, San Francisco, uh, and London in my life. Um, and also just outside of London. Um, and of all those places, the one place I've been to that actually felt different from New Zealand was the Blue Mountains in Sydney. Like everywhere else I've been to, like I can, I can grasp it. I can, I can see New Zealand in it. I, when I, I, when I went to San Francisco, I was only laying over there and I was at the airport and it just looked like New Zealand. And a lot of London looked like a more busy Auckland. Um, but the Blue Mountains in Australia, I remember staring out at this like enormous valley um, and these mountains at the in the far off distance and thinking to myself, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never been, this is such a, an alien environment compared to like the wilderness of New Zealand. Um, and so I remember thinking that being there, being like, I've never seen anywhere like this before. So that's that's my answer to that question. That's the most interesting place I've been to. The Almighty Watcher asks, how do you stay motivated to keep up with projects? You seem to have so much on the go. Do you really just enjoy everything you do? I find myself getting really into an idea for like two weeks and it's all I can think about and work on and then I just get bored and give up and I feel like I've wasted my time. Uh, I would say we're not so different, you and I, Almighty Watcher. I think the projects you know that I do are ones that have made it past a certain level, um, whereas there are plenty of things that I start and give up on two weeks. In the past year, I've tried to um, start a movie club. In the past year, I've tried to develop a video game. In the past year, I've tried to... Um, what else have I tried to do? Like, I've tried to... Uh, pitch a tv show that was in the last couple of years like all of these things are things that don't get past a certain stage and so you don't hear about them but i'm j just like you i give up on things and i think everyone does um and the things that stick are i think okay here's a good answer to that question actually the things that stick are the ones that that have a um I'd like I give myself a responsibility for. So the two big the projects in my life at the moment would be Cult Popsha and One Dollar Genre. And both of those things are routine. Both of those things are, have a process in which I've promised to myself I can complete. Cult Popsha obviously going for a lot longer. For the last six or seven years, I've been devoting time to that at least once a week um and so that's that's like just something that's become routine for me and one dollar genre is like i think because there's an end game in sight there's you know i said i'd only do it for a year um and then reevaluate or reassess so that's like just something i've given myself um responsibility over i guess i did secretly tell myself i would give up on one dollar genre after six months if i was over it and i'm quite surprised i didn't do that um because i really felt like it at the time but i kept going and i think i'll probably keep going to the end of the year now but but yeah i would say the answer to that question is that i do i have plenty of things that i give up on um but the 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 ones that i don't are the ones that probably require more work than the ones that don't so that you're investing more time into it and you're giving yourself you're giving yourself an 
like promises you're you're making yourself um yeah you're 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 fulfilling a a quota that you've set i guess that can help anyway and also do projects you're excited about if you're not excited about a project don't do it Dr. Barrow from Sweden says, is it hacky to do the same things with the person you are seeing as you did with your ex? I guess it depends on what those things are. I probably wouldn't give an, a new girlfriend the same like nickname as an ex. Um, that's probably not something I would want to want to get into. Um, but I've certainly taken multiple girls to the same gelato place on first dates i'm talking like tinder dates and that sort of thing i've i've done the same there's a gelato place in christchurch that's right next to a whiskey bar and so sue me it makes for a good first date and i've done multiple first dates that have been gelato and whiskey um and i think that's okay you feel free to tell me it's not (laughs) haven't been on a first date in a while though so um it hasn't happened for a while um uh, Luke asks, what is the worst soda you've ever had and still have the can slash bottle of? Um, I had, I went through like one of those Lester's fixins phases. If you ever watched Soda Popsha from like five years ago, you'll remember that. And they had some pretty, they have like comically bad sodas. And I think I still have the bottles for all of them. I think the worst one was ranch dressing flavored soda. But I'd say the worst soda I've had that wasn't trying to be bad is one called Picari Sweat, which I just think is really gross um luke asks aj how do i attack watcher more subtly so he won't notice um do it in another discord that you know he's in but you don't necessarily talk to him in. Josh from Western Chicago Suburbs asks, Dear AJ, as a stay-at-home dad, I often get judgmental looks from all the moms in the area. How do I make sure my daughters don't feel ostracized like I do? It's from SAH Daddy Josh. Uh, oh, this is an interesting question. I don't know if I've experienced this myself. Um, I would say that, like, the the you don't care what other people think about this sort of thing. I mean, what kind of mum in today's day and age is seeing like someone who's clearly the father of a daughter and, and like tisking, you know, it's not very feminist to think that men can't look after, you know, it's, it's only a woman's job to do it. So fuck them. Fuck them. Who cares what they think? Do you, you do you. Richard was a bad choice. Asks thoughts on mead. Dunno, dude. Never had it. You never gave me any. Maybe you should give me some mead, bro. Maybe next time we're in the same city, you should give me some mead, bro. Greg from the Kingdom of Sleep asks, who is a celebrity you think you could fight and have a decent shot at winning, but not totally roll, like a child star or an air buddy or something? Okay, I reckon I could probably beat up... Um timothy Charlemagne. that dude seems a bit or harry styles i reckon i could beat those guys up luke asks what's the largest animal you think you could best in a death match um 
I made a TikTok about this recently where I talked about uh, swans and I was talking about how the the main reason we're afraid of swans is not because they think they can hurt us, but it's because we know we could kill a swan because we're human. So of course we could, we could just wring its neck. We could just throw a rock at it. It'll be killed. And I think that the reason we're afraid of swans is not because we think we'll get hurt, but it's because we're realizing we'd have to cross a pretty uncomfortable threshold and murder a swan. And that's what we're afraid of. Um, so a swan is the largest animal I think I could best in a death match. Uh, what, they also ask, what makes a good sausage roll anyway to veganize? Uh, I had a really good vegan sausage roll at um, Greg's in the UK. Uh, probably the best vegan food I've ever had. It was better than the regular sausage roll. But I think what makes a good sausage roll is a good pastry to meat ratio. I don't like those big, mainly meat ones. I think those are disgusting. I don't want to bite into like a sizable chunk of sausage meat. I think sausage meat should be all bite-sized chunks. Um, and so, and like a nice, soft, chewy pastry. I think that makes a good sausage roll. Uh, Vinny is boosted asks hey Alex Jones that is of course my full real name longtime supporter of your views how do we stop the frogs being gay we stop putting chemtrails in the water there you go I did the thing Dan from Hawaii says dear AJ I have a podcast record recording scheduled for tomorrow about some movie series but I'm pretty freshly heartbroken how do you suggest handling heartbreak heartbreak during this awkward Awkward time. Oh, from Anonymous. Sorry, Dan. Uh, I assume this is a reference to when I did this myself. I would say, like, sometimes in creative work, you have to grin and bear it. And if you want to be putting stuff out consistently, sometimes you just have to get through doing hard things or doing things that you're not in the mood for. And so allow yourself to forget your woes and try and have fun with it. Maybe let the person you're recording with know that things are a bit hard um, and maybe they can carry some of the burden for you. But just try to have, have fun. Try to Try to at least bring some light to it, I would say. Luke asks, how's attic life? Has the kindergarten grown up yet? Uh, yeah, so I live in an attic next to a kindergarten and it sucks. The kids are so loud. I hear Baby Shark weekly playing. It like we routinely wakes me up. And also there's been some like trees being chopped down in the kindergarten on the weekend. So I'll hear, I'll wake up to the sound of children during the week. And then for a bunch of Saturdays in a row, we would wake up to chainsaws. It's hard going, but I like the space and I think it's cool. Um, but I do miss certain conveniences of other places. Luke also asks, what is a quiz question that you would want to hear that you don't think Richard would get on the Cop Popshire annual quiz? And, he, and they say, it's okay, Richard won't listen to an episode he isn't on. Um, uh, probably something about me. What did I say? I probably remember what I said more than Richard said. Or anything that's, a, that's related to like any of the editing, because I edit the podcast, so I probably know answers to that I'll, I'll tell you what um it takes me the length of a podcast plus half to edit a podcast so ask me how long does it take to do that and that'll be the answer josh from western chicago suburbs says what's your favorite letter i mean it's got to be x right that's the sexiest one Josh also asked, would it be parasocial of me to invite you to thanksgiving this year no not at all please i i, I think it's fun 
I think Thanksgiving is fun. Dan asks, without looking it up, when do you think American Thanksgiving is, AJ? And what do you think of it? Is American Thanksgiving November 30th? Thanksgiving. Date. 24th. Okay, I was wrong. Um, I've celebrated, or sort of celebrated Thanksgiving, not, not, maybe not celebrated, but had Thanksgiving a few times. Um, obviously I have, you know, several issues with its origins, but I think it is nice to have a holiday where you talk about everything that you're thankful for. And I also really like sweet potato casserole and I'm really good at making it. It's probably the, probably the most popular, well-received piece of content I ever made was a sweet potato casserole. Um, so I like it. And, and Josh then asks, what side are you bringing a sweet potato casserole with? Kumra and uh, little baby marshmallows. Uh, Brent asks, also, AJ, did you know that when the first person surveyed Mount Everest, they found it to be exactly 29,000 29, feet, but they said that it was 29,002 feet because it sounded more precise. I did know that. I have heard it as well. Um, Luke has also asked why, presumably because I left a little note in the Discord saying we'll be recording in 12 hours, and they're saying why to that, uh, because I had to get the episode out on time is the answer. Is that a good answer? Uh, Zeke asks, how do you feel that Scott Calvin murdered Santa in the first Santa Claus movie, and that when he took over being Santa, all the elves acted as if nothing really happened, and they got on with their lives with the guy who murdered their boss taking on his job? I think about this often and want your thoughts. I think a lot of movies have deep plot holes that you can, or not, maybe not plot holes, but like weird lack of world building when you scratch beneath the surface, and the Santa Claus is certainly a great answer. I think Harry Potter is a great answer as well. Like, you know how do they learn regular subjects things like that i think the key is just to not think about it too much and if it's an enjoyable movie don't let it overtake but i do acknowledge that sometimes the implications are just too large to ignore i think b movies like that b movie has a lot of implications or maybe it does the opposite maybe it explains way too much paul hill asks aj I never have any luck getting my suggestions picked for film franchise fortnights or generic movie podcast on the Patreon. How can I convince people that my suggestions are better than the Apple? Paul, the key to getting your ideas voted for in any of our polls are to get in early. To get in early and then come to the Discord and just relentlessly campaign for your suggestion. That's the way to do it. If you can come up with a good reason why the podcast at this point in time should do it that can often help a lot of people strike deals with others like if we vote for this one month we'll vote for this the next month um so yeah that's my advice for that um only got a few more questions here a uh, bit more cheese says hey aj thanks for doing this question for you there was a really good deal on at the kitchen supply store so i bought two of the same knife one for meat and one for dairy as you know however i was slicing some onions for some cedar shil shit as you do and i opened the drawer and realized i'd been using the flashig knife flashig knife I've only used it once so far on cold things, so it is okay for Milchig. I have guests over, and while kids who are in Yeshiva are not too observant, they'll eat from non-CRC-approved heshes, but very much derech. The parents are Lubaviches. What do? 
I think that as long as you wash something thoroughly, it's all good to use on whatever. I live with almost exclusively vegans, and I eat meat, and I just try to make sure that I thoroughly wash knives and forks and things like that. Richard was a bad choice, says, Hey AJ, I recently made a short film for a local filmmaking competition, but I'm not sure if it's any good. Could you please watch it and let me know? Uh, no. Uh, Dan from my wife says, Dear AJ, why haven't there been more Hebrew Hammer films? I don't know. I don't know why that is, because the world is unfair. Uh, and I think that might be the last question for the episode, which has taken us to a nice 53-minute runtime. Oh, there's one here. There's two more here. Oh, no, one more here, which is from uh, Luke, who says, AJ, why do I keep having stress dreams about burning popcorn? I think it's because burning popcorn is a very easy mistake to make. And I think maybe we, are we tie our value in life to the easiest mistakes to make. Because if you make an easy mistake, it is... It makes you feel worse than if you make a big mistake, I think, sometimes. Because if you burn popcorn, you might be like, oh, God, how dumb am I? I can't even cook popcorn right. And I think that's sad. And I think that that's probably why you're having stress dreams about it is because it, it represents your own um, self-image. And I don't think you should think of yourself because everyone makes mistakes, you know. You shouldn't think of yourself like that. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone... Everyone makes mistakes, and then also, on top of that, everyone always ties themselves to their mistakes. And everyone always, you know... It's the same thing as, like, uh, thinking your value is dictated by how many likes you get on a Facebook status. Like, you don't... You know, you're you're worth more than that. And I encourage you, Luke, to to let, let yourself go and let go of this idea that you need to be perfect. And that is AJ's Advice Corner. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm very thirsty. I didn't drink anything and basically just talked nonstop 55 minutes. So I'm not feeling the best right now. But hey, if you enjoyed this, please, please, please support us in all the places. You can like us and follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram under at Cole Popsha. And you can join the Discord where I got the majority of these questions from. Um, and that's there. We link to that in the show notes. Um, and also, if you would like, you can join the Patreon and suggest um, franchises for us to watch and movies for us to watch and get stuff early. And also, you can contribute to the post credit scene, which is coming up right after this music ends. Next week, we'll be back to um, we'll be back on Film Franchise Fortnites with an episode about Anchorman, and then Richard will be back by the time the next podcast comes out. So stay tuned for that, everybody. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed my advice. Let me just bring up the post credit scenes now. Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Um, I'm still alone. It's still just me. And today's question, I'm going to pick one from um, Sam Page who asks, what do you think of film critics? And I, bucking what a lot of people will say, bucking the trend i guess i actually find myself agreeing with film critics a lot more than the opposite people are always like oh i always love films even if the critics hate it like if the critics hate it that means i love it and often people will cite the audience score more than the critic score on ron tomatoes i think that's dumb i think i would much rather trust the opinion of someone who has studied film 
than the opinion of someone who just watches movies. And is that arrogant of me? Sure, maybe it is. But I consider myself a film critic and I just often find myself in far more in agreement with the critics than anyone else. Um, And that's the answer to that question. And I'm going to stop recording now.